Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hands. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. And today we're going to change the way you think just a little bit, actually a lot of it, because I got a guy on the line today. My guest for, for today is one of the very few people in my life that have known me almost my entire life. Now, he hasn't known me my entire life, but he's also one of the major sponsors of our show, Mark Pearson with Nepsis Capital. And before we invite Mark into the show, I just want to tell you about Mark. Mark and I met in youth group when we were in high school. He was a good friend of a friend of mine, Fish. We call him Fish. And uh, we he was in a band with Fish, and that's how I got to know him. But we've been friends. We've owned businesses together. We owned a car dealership together. He was He's a financial advisor. I was an insurance agent. We have done business together. We have, we have tested the waters of true sharing a checkbook, which... You know, well, we won't go down there anyway. Uh, but ever, let's needless to say, when Mark and I get together for dinner, it used to be I always bought. I've been making up for it the last 12 years. Mark Pearson, welcome back to I Work For Him. Thank you, Jim. I'm glad to be here. And thank you for only saying nice things about me. <laughs> it is no problem. And I was, I was, yes, I, I am. I, why would I say anything but nice things about you? <laughs> 
That's a good point. You've always been way too kind to me. Oh, well, listen, it's a lot of fun. And I'm hoping we just have a good time in the conversation today. But first of all, just I know you didn't do this for, for uh, you didn't sponsor the show this year just so you get a lot of notoriety. I've only brought you on one time. You're just like, I just want to stay in the background. But I want to make sure I thank you and give people an opportunity just to hear from your heart. Hey, who's the guy behind Nepsis Capital? Who's the guy that's been supporting the show? People need to hear from your heart. And, and, and all of my guests... I, did that make you laugh again? All of my guests are, uh, you know, I, I always have them just start off the conversation by sharing how Christ is making a difference in your life. So before we get to that question, though, I really want to know, I don't know that I've heard this story, or it's been a really long time because we've known each other almost 35 years. Oh, my gosh. We met in youth group in high School. More than that. No, no, I was 15, and I'll be 50 this year, so it's been 35 oh. years. I, 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 right. I calculated. I got the calculator out and then did a formula on Excel, and I figured it out. <laughs> How did you first come to be a Christ follower? Uh, well, I originally was uh, baptized in my faith when I was 10 years old, and uh, I remember my old Sunday school teacher, Dina Fisher, uh, led me to the Lord by sharing the gospel with me in uh, a small church that I grew up in in Chicago, Chicago, Illinois. And, uh, <clears throat> of course, during that period, uh, you're young, you, you know there's a God. I always knew there was a God. I always, uh, from the day I can remember being born and understanding that there was something much more powerful than me and that there was a God that was ultimately in charge of my life. And uh, long story short, when I was uh, in high school, I moved to Minneapolis because my dad took a different job. And uh, I ended up attending a, a, a new church and uh, rededicated my life, rededicated my faith when I was a junior in high school at a Greg Speck uh, weekend. I went. On Here's a, a name I haven't heard in a long time. Yes, exactly. And and uh, I, I uh, that was the first time where I actually felt the Holy Spirit. Uh, not literally, but figurative, not figure, not figuratively, but literally covering me, and uh, rededicated my faith. And uh, from that point forward, um, it's been in, an exciting journey, to say the least. Well, and that's really that's I didn't realize that was right when you were had really settled your faith because that's the year you met when you were a, when we met. You were a junior, I was a sophomore, and yes. uh, that was the year that we met. So yes. it, it's been a long time since then. How is Christ yes. making a day? Yes, yes. You don't have to keep saying yes. Long that. time, yeah. yeah. Long yes, time. Yes, exactly. Just remember, you're a year <laughs> older than me. Okay. Uh, so, but you look as good as you did when we were in high school. I've put on a few oh, pounds. Thank you. All right. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. You know, I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, there's nobody more intense than Jim Brangenberg. And I'm thinking, there's nobody more intense in my life than Mark Pearson. You're, you're just jealous that I could talk just as fast as you. <laughs> I only I only strive to talk as fast as you, Uncle Jimmy. Yeah, well, that's the case. All right, so right before the break, you told us how you came to Christ, and then how you really you dedicated your life to Christ as a junior in high school, and really been steadily walking since then. And if I remember correctly, it was shortly after that you started dating an old time girlfriend again, who you married, and have now been married to twenty eight and no twenty nine years this summer, wasn't? It? No, it's was twenty eight years this summer. Twenty eight. Twenty eight yes. years this summer. That's right. That's pretty good. Yes. Did I just yes. tell you something you forgot? Because I, yeah, I was just trying to make sure you remembered. It's like, no, yeah, yeah. anyway. I, I remember quite well. I, I imagine you do. You remember that I wasn't there? Do you remember that part? <laughs> I do remember. You were in Boston. Yeah, that's right. All right, so it's been a long time since you, since you first dedicated your life to Christ. How is Jesus Christ making a difference in your life today? Oh, 
Uh, you know, that's a, a great question. Uh, I, I come from a, a, a perspective of journey. Uh, we're all on a journey in getting to know Christ at a deeper level. And as you get older, you truly hopefully do get wiser. And you look back at uh, points in your life where God was there and you, and you didn't pay attention, or God was there and you did pay attention and how the outcome was so much different. And uh, obviously, as you mentioned, I've been married 28 years. Uh, I've had my business really since 1994. And God has been continually molding and shaping me uh, through many, many experiences, many opportunities. Uh, I often tell people that I am amazingly blessed uh, and that he has showed an immense amount of favor in my life. I could not tell you. I couldn't imagine my life being any better in my journey with Christ at this point in terms of what he's taught me, where he's brought me now, and where he's going to bring me in the future. It's been exciting. It's always exciting to see what he's done, and you can't imagine what the next 20, 30 years could be like. Although no question. Although it's the healthy guys, by the way, that go first. I'm just so, just so you know, all of them, it, it always seems like it's the, the fat guys get to live longer and the skinny guys always go first, just in case you're wondering. I've been I studying it. I put a little more weight on them. Yeah, you better. You better start eating some real food like pizza or something. <laughs> all right, so you immersed yourself in the financial services industry in the early 90s. If, as I remember, because when, when we launched Anchor Insurance Agency or Anchor Agency South, you were doing Anchor Financial Services, and it was 94. We built those nice houses that were almost clones. And But see, so where did you get your passion for investments and the economy? Because really, you're, you're an economist. You loves, you've always studied stocks. Where did that all come from? Great question. Uh, I actually originally got licensed in the securities business and the insurance business back in 1986 when I was still in college. And uh, I had a, a friend that had turned me on to the business. My father was an entrepreneur. Uh, my personality certainly dictated that I was much better being my own boss than working for other people. And uh, I wanted to be my own boss like my father was. And I was always interested in the stock market. Uh, I had watched stocks while I was in high school. My father had turned me on to them. And uh, so when I was in college, a friend of mine recommended I take a look at going into the, into the business. So while I was in college, I actually studied for my securities exam and my insurance license and uh, got licensed up and started into a training program. The problem was, <clears throat> was that back in 1986, I looked like I was 15, and I acted like I was 9, and knew that if I wanted to be in this business the rest of my life, I needed to go get some experience out in the world before I started my business. So I did that, and then uh, I worked in the high-tech field. And back in the early 90s, many investors may remember the days of Cisco Systems and Sun Microsystems and Microsoft and Intel and all these big technology companies were up and coming, and I worked in that sector and got very, very interested in technology and technology stocks, started doing research, started tracking, and uh, the rest is history. Just I grew a passion for it. So it really just came as a matter of course in your job. You just started uh, studying companies because I, I remember you're always out. You're always out dealing with business people, and you're always schmoozing with different people. And, and so it just really developed. Do you relate that to the spiritual gifts that you've been given? What? How would you describe your spiritual gifts? Well, uh, 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 wisdom is one. Uh, discernment uh, is another. Uh, many think I have the gift of uh, faith and giving 
And uh, when it comes to this business, wisdom is paramount. You have to have wisdom and discernment as it pertains to investing. Uh, there are so much noise. There are so many products. There are so many different uh, opinions that people have about how their money should be invested. And what ends up happening is people end up getting more confused than they do with understanding the concept of what they're really doing in investing. And so as I uh, uh, had this belief about how you should invest, which was invest in great businesses, the old Warren Buffett philosophy, uh, over the years I continued to hone that. So I deal with business people all the time uh, talking about ideas. I'm an idea guy. And uh, you, can, you can learn really quickly uh, about what's a great idea and what's not a great idea. And, and, and again, Jim, I really believe that uh, based on my experience and as I get older, you know, I think God has given me a great gift of discernment in understanding how to invest, where to invest, and sticking to the biblical principles that he's put forth in terms of what we should be doing when it comes to investing. Jim? Jim. Yep. Can you hear me now? All right. How about yeah. this? All right. When you look at your passion for doing all those things you just listed, when you look at the um, using your spiritual gifts to do that investment, to do the money management, because today you're you're really a money manager. Is that how you describe yourself? Yes, money manager first. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, what's really more important to me is the idea of educating investors to focus on. Uh, clarity. Focus on knowing what you own and why you own it. Focus on God first. Uh, I think too many times investors become emotional about their investment process. They end up making bad decisions. And so starting with the basic principle of understanding that first and foremost, this money belongs to God first. If we all believe in that principle first, the decisions of how you go about making your decisions and investing for people uh, becomes a lot simpler and becomes less emotional in the process. And we believe that allows investors to be more successful at the same time. When you think of the book that you like the most that teaches Christ followers about God and his relationship with their money, do you have a favorite that you like? Uh, you know, you ask such good questions. Uh, the book that really turned me around, actually, in that process was The Treasure Principle. Ooh, by the, Randy Alcorn, right? Gave, yeah, uh, the prayer of Jabez actually was really uh, the the first one was the prayer of Jabez right. reading the prayer of Jabez, and the whole idea of God wants to bless us and He wants to give us gifts and He wants to do you know lots of things and in, in, in allowing us to uh, follow Him and and share in the blessings that He has for us. Uh, the Treasure Principle really was a book that began to get me to be thinking differently about the investment process, which really uh, got me thinking about the, 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 the parable of the talents and multiplying the talents and not burying our talents. Just a real quick example, Jim. You know, we had a financial crisis in 2009, 2008, 2009. A lot of investors lost a lot of money because a lot of investors didn't stick to the knitting. They took their money out of investing. They put it in their mattress, and they didn't pay attention to it, and they decided never to get back to investing in the, in the stock market or in bonds or anything else. And I've noticed, particularly in the Christian community, 
many believers are fearful of what's happening here in the United States with the dollar. And so people want to buy gold, and they want to buy all these investments because they think it's going to protect them. It all belongs to God in the first place. And if we spent less time worrying about that and focusing on what God's called us to do, which is to be the steward of the resources and multiplying the talents, you can be far more successful. And so as of that 2009 period, uh, investors still have trillions of dollars sitting in cash. Now, Jim, you're, you're in the ministry. Think about this. If you had greater clarity in your investing, there's over $2 trillion still sitting in cash here in the United States today. What would have happened if that $2 trillion would have been invested in 2008, 2009? It would be like $5 trillion today, wouldn't it? Yeah, because the stock market's at all-time highs. We're having a fast-moving conversation with a very good old friend of mine, Mark Pearson with Nepsis Capital. He's a super big kahuna up there. And we were talking about... How we got a passion for investing and being a wealth manager. All right, so the drive to be in business came from your heritage. Your dad, as we were growing up, was always trying something new. But you got you got on this drive to be a wealth manager, to be in capital management. But you you're you're a money manager for tons and tons of people and brokers and dealers, not brokers and dealers, but um, individual advisors. I don't know, advisors. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. All over the country. How do you think? I mean. Why the solo focus? I mean, you could have done a million different things. Sure. You know, and your father well, tried to do several of them. What, what, did, yeah. what, what did you, how did you end up with this focus? Well, I think there's a couple reasons for it. Uh, frankly, I think uh, most importantly, it's the idea of uh, obedience. Um, I felt that this is what God called me to do, what he called me to be. Uh, I have had plenty of people try to deter me to do other things to get involved in other things, but I believe that I'm here for a very specific purpose. I believe God has given me some tremendous gifts and some tremendous talents that he is holding me accountable to go and multiply. And uh, therefore, uh, until God tells me otherwise that he wants me doing something else, I'm going to do what I often say to people who know me, stick to the knitting stick to the process. And I have a huge passion for what I believe is going on in the financial services business. I believe that uh, uh, I've seen great impact in people's lives by taking the approach that we've taken. And frankly, we're just starting. And I think as long as God uh, continues to give me the passion and continues to get, tell me that this is what he wants me to do, I'm going to stick to the knitting. So when you look at how your faith impacts how you do. You're, you're, a, you're a money manager. You're a owner of a business. You've got uh, three children. You're a husband. You've got all these different things. How does your faith impact the different roles you play in your job each day? Like pick one sure. role and tell me how, how it impacts you. Well, I, they're all, they all impact me the same, whether it is managing someone in my organization or it's making a decision on a new investment or it's hiring a new employee or it's sitting in a meeting discussing a technology. At the end of the day, they all are the same thing. We have a mission. We have a purpose. It is important to communicate that purpose. And the people who work with me, our office, many people can hear me talking on the phone and talking about what I believe and talking about my faith and talking about the fact that God 
owns this business. And whether you're a believer or not, I tell them, you know, you may not believe in what I believe, but I fundamentally believe that God owns my business. He can take this away from me at any time. But right now, he's called me to be the manager. And so as we work with employees, as we work with clients, as we make investment decisions, the business belongs to God. And every decision must be grounded in that. When you do that, you don't have to worry about anything because God's going to take care of it. Now, you may not like the outcome occasionally of things that happen, but life is not supposed to be easy, and God does challenge us, and he wants to challenge you because it's only in the challenges that you learn how strong and powerful and how faithful God really is. What do you think, One of the what's the biggest example of what you've learned about how, how big, strong, and faithful God is? I mean, give me a demonstration of, of, of something God's done in your life where you learned that lesson well. <laughs> Well, uh, I'll, I'll start with my name change. Real quick story. Back in 2010, I got a phone call from a financial advisor, wanted information on one of our mutual funds. At that time, we were called Anchor Capital. And uh, when I took the call, I told the financial advisor that you've got the wrong Anchor Capital. There's an Anchor Capital in California. That's who you want to talk to. We don't do mutual funds. We do private management. Um, and didn't think anything of it. An hour later, the phone rang. I'm sorry, not the phone rang. I got a letter in the mail from Anchor Bank up here. You'll remember Anchor Bank. Yes, I do. And a nasty letter from the CEO saying I needed to change the name of my company because I was calling, causing customer confusion. I got into a discussion with him about that. We had a disagreement. The bottom line was, Jim, that actually we had no issues with Anchor Bank, but God was telling me, you need to change your name because Anchor Capital is trademarked out in California, and I have great plans for you, but I can't have you do everything under the name of Anchor Capital. Three days later, not figuratively, literally, he gave me Nepsis. Uh, through a process that I went through. Well, and describe and the word the nepsis, because I, I, I remember when you told me you are going to go nepsis, I'm like, sepsis? What? Isn't that like some <laughs> disease you got? You're like, no, nepsis, nepsis. I think we had a bad connection that day. Like, so what is, I'm not kidding. I remember you telling me, and I'm like, nepsis? All right, so well, what's that mean? Well, yeah, so let me let me tell your, your, your fans there that uh, I always believed and preached clarity in investing to our clients. Know what you own, know why you own it. Know what investments you have, just like a business owner does. And uh, nepsis is the Greek word for basically ultimate clarity. Uh, a state of nepsis is when one comes out of a long state of catharsis, which allows for a complete cleansing of the mind. Complete cleansing of the mind allows for ultimate clarity. There's only one who has ultimate clarity, but we're all on a journey to ultimate clarity, and that journey must include our walk with Christ on a daily basis. And so Nepsis, when he gave me Nepsis, I was shocked. Now, you got to remember, Jim, this is right after the whole Bernie Madoff scandal and all these people who were involved in Ponzi schemes and lost lots of money after the financial crisis. And nobody in the investment world was preaching clarity. It was the beginning of the journey of where we're on with the road to Nepsis now. It's been exciting. We got Mark Pearson, the CEO, super guru, the top dog. He's in charge at Nepsis Capital. Mark Pearson, welcome back to I Work For Him. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. And by the way, you already know that my wife is the boss. Yes, I do know that your wife is a boss. I've known your wife for a long time, and I'm a, yeah, I, 
Yes, I understand who's in charge. <laughs> Thank you. You know, what's, what's been a gift, though, for you is these 21 years you've been in business, not all of those years has Julie been by your side, but really since, uh, well, it, she's been on and off by your side all these, really, almost the whole time, hasn't she? I don't know what I'm thinking. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, uh, probably since about 2000, 2001. She had been in the business for years anyway, working for someone else. And uh, I finally hornswoggled her into working with me. Yeah, I wonder if and, she regrets uh, that. <laughs> you probably already know the answer to that. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> and what's, what's great, what a privilege it is to be able to work alongside your bride each and every day. And now you've got yes. your, your oldest working in the business. And your, yes. isn't your middle child working in the business, too? You got both of them working he, with you? He is. Yep. Uh, my son, uh, my daughter graduated this past spring from uh, Drake University in Iowa, and she's uh, a marketing manager for us and starting out and doing a great job. And my son, Matt, uh, will graduate in December. He's, uh, he's a grade younger than my daughter, but he's going to graduate early from uh, University of Wisconsin La Crosse with finance degree. He's already licensed. He's already brought in a couple clients. He's interned here for three years and uh, he's learned lots and uh, is very excited to get going. So we're real excited to have him come in here in December, too. So as you've raised these children, and I know really the credit goes to both you and Julie, as you raise these kids, you know, which one of them's most like you? The youngest, you got Ryan, you got Matt, and you got Alyssa. Which one is the one that's most like you? Yeah, people ask that quite often. It's really interesting. Uh, you know, honestly, Jim, my daughter uh, has probably uh, the most of my personality. She's more type A uh, and more extroverted. Uh, my middle son is more, a little bit more introverted, uh, intense like I am, but not as much. Uh, and Ryan is probably the most like his mother, uh, but definitely has some of his father's characteristics. Our kids are really a blend. You know, they're all uh, they're all very different, but they all have a lot of similarities like their mother and their father. Well, it's been cool, though. As you have grown this business, you've taken the time to get these kids through their different sports. And, and, and you got Ryan, and he could someday be an all-star hockey player. I mean, is he going to go all the way to the NHL, do you think? Uh, I, well, I, I, uh, that, of course, uh, statistically is not uh, probably the case. But we tell him that that's possible, and it is possible. He is very talented, and he's doing very well. He's a junior in high school now. and. So uh, we'll see. Our first step is college. So we'll see if he can play some college hockey, and we would be surprised if he didn't. But you know, you never know. It depends what God wants. Well, for so the record, we'll it was stick to the knitting. For the record, it was said first here on I Work for Him. <laughs> I will remember that, and you're, you can take all the credit. I won't yeah, care. Yeah, no. Like I can take any credit for your son playing <laughs> hockey. Okay. All right. So God's truly blessed your plans, and, and and well, He set the plans in place, and you followed those plans, and your business has grown. But I know you got a heart and passion for ministry. Your dad's been in the Dominican in the ministry now for, gosh, has it been almost a decade? It's been it's been pretty close to a decade. Yes, yeah, just about ten years. Yep. Yeah. How has your business helped you support nonprofits like your dad's ministry in the Dominican? How 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 has God allowed you to do that? Sure. Well, I think there's you know this gets back to your spiritual gifts, right? Wisdom and discernment and faith. Uh, we just ended a. A capital raise to buy a new building. My my folks have started four English-speaking churches in the Dominican Republic, and uh, you got to expl explain that because people are going. You just started English-speaking churches in the Dominican Republic. <laughs> yeah, are going. That doesn't make sense to me. Explain why. <laughs> yeah. So my parents are their their mission is to go and equip. 
the Dominicans to improve their economy, improve their lives, with the baseline being centered around Christ and having a relationship with Christ. And, you know, their culture is very different than the culture here. And what they are attempting to do is, first and foremost, teach them the gospel, uh, teach them to have a personal relationship with Christ. And the second thing is to equip them, to equip them in whatever their gifts are, whether it's running sound in a church, whether it is taking the offering or it's singing up in front, but giving them leadership responsibilities within the church to help train and mentor them to be future leaders and to have kingdom impact in other people's lives while also having uh, a successful financial life. And uh, there are many people that want to come to the United States. They need to learn English, so they teach English at the English-speaking church. And there are also lots of English people down in the Dominican Republic who want to attend an English-speaking church as well. So uh, that's a very quick snippet, but they've started four churches. Uh, the first main church, which is in Santo Domingo, uh, we just purchased a building uh, this spring, and they're equipping it. And uh, instead of renting space from somewhere, we now have a building. And we needed to raise a fair amount of money, and uh, we were very faithful and working through that process that God would provide. And, of course, he did. And uh, it's interesting to see when you put your faith in Christ, he does come through. And uh, it, it's a great story about how they've been very, very faithful in the process. And uh, you know my father. He, you know, you would have never thought he would be in the ministry or be a preacher, and he would tell you the same thing. But God challenges every one of us in different ways, in our own ways, because he knows what's best to do there. And that's amazing. Yes, I, your father, to me, is, you know, he's the one that got you addicted to technology because he's a technology freak. Uh, but, but he's the only guy I know that got 500,000 miles out of a car. It's the only one I've ever known. He's the only one I've ever known. He did, yeah. Which is just fantastic. I love that. So are there other ministries that you're passionate about that you get to help because of Nepsis Capital? Sure. Well, for years I've been involved with youth. I've been involved with youth in our church. I've been involved with uh, music, uh, although I'm not in music right now. I think I'm done singing. As I get older, Jim, I don't sound as jovial as I used to. Uh, but youth ministry, getting involved in that. Uh, we are also very excited about uh, some of the ministry things we want to do within here, within Napsis, in terms of starting uh, ministries through our organization, whether it is helping kids, keeping kids off the street with sports, athletics, or it is hosting Bible studies. Um, I'm in very deep prayer about how God wants to use the business as a ministry outside these walls, not just with our clients. So uh, we're very involved with that. Uh, other than that, right now, we are on a hiatus. We used to be very, very active with youth. Um, in the last couple of years, Julie and I have been taking care of our kids, finishing school, and some of the changes going there, and uh, we needed a break. We got burnt out. So. Yeah, well, kids can do that to you, that's for sure. What, and, I, what, yeah. what I know about your involvement up there in Minneapolis is, is, is you've got a passion. Because of your passion for wealth management, for managing wealth there are a lot of nonprofits that have come to you for wisdom on, on yes. what do we do with this? How do we deal yes. with this? Because they often are given endowments or whatever. They're yes. given gifts, but they're like, well, what do we do with it? Because a lot of their boards sometimes are full of people that are 
ultra ridiculously yeah. conservative. And so let's just put it in a CD. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, you're, you know, that's, that's one of the areas I really feel like I will have a greater exposure and want to have, as a matter of fact, you bring this up. I had a meeting with a prominent university here in the twin cities four days ago, which has a sizable endowment and uh, they, uh, we have begun the talks in having our firm manage the money. And uh, this endowment has zero clarity. And it's, it's, a large, it's a large, large endowment. It's an eight-figure number. And uh, when you think of a Christian organization has an endowment, and you don't have clarity about the investments and what's happening within the within the endowment. And many times this is politically driven, right? Politics play a major role because somebody knows somebody else. But you know, you know my personality. That kind of stuff ticks me off. This money belongs to God, and you have to do with it what God would desire. And if you would do that, He will multiply that endowment seventy times seven. Give it to God and let God do that. And so this is one of the things that I'm very, very interested in talking more to people about, which is one of the reasons why I had just literally had a new meeting with a new endowment this past week. So lots of need there, Jim, a lot of need. So if there's people listening here in Tampa Bay, or and again, there are people listening around the world, if there's people listening today and they, they're part of organizations that have large endowments and they need somebody to help guide them through, you can manage wealth. It doesn't matter where they are in the country, correct? Yeah, you know, and I would even go as far as to say uh, one of the other nonprofits I used to sit on the advisory board, I didn't even manage the money. To me at this point in my life, Jim, it's not about the money. It's not about managing the money. Now, obviously, we believe we would do a very good job of managing the money. We can manage the money, but it's more important to me that the money has clarity, that the board knows how the money is being managed and where the money is being managed. What investments are you owning within that endowment or within that nonprofit? And how do you really want to use those dollars for kingdom purpose, for kingdom impact? And when you look at the, you know, I've talked to two uh, boards recently. They don't even have investment policy statements. You know, these folks are accountable to those dollars to make sure that the fiduciary role is being uh, upheld. And you can't do that the best that you can when you don't even know what the investments are within the endowment. No, and that's so, and, and I see that all the time. A lot of times there's a lot of great people involved volunteering within nonprofits, yes. but they're not investment people. And, and so they don't get good advice. And, and that's, that's a key thing. That's why I asked that question. Cause I, I know that people desperately need that yes. good advice because these endowments you know, there's a lot of baby boomers getting older, and they're, they've been giving money to the endowments, but the next generation doesn't have the money to give away. And so these, these people need to invest this money so that it does do the reproducing thing. Yes. Well, this gets back to the point I said earlier about people leaving money in cash after the financial crisis, right? God has called us to multiply the talents. God has called us to go out and multiply the money, give the money to further the kingdom. And when you think about the dollars that are left because of poor investment decisions or the fact that they don't even invest, they leave the money in cash or in a CD, they don't do anything with it, they don't have a plan for it, 
you are missing out on an opportunity to multiply the talents, to give more for the kingdom. Every dollar that I donate to your your ministry, I think about the thousands of people that you're communicating with and how God's love is being dripped on them. It's not about the money. It is the multiplication of the talent, the multiplication of God's love on these people that gets paid on and on and on, which grows the kingdom, which is ultimately what we're here to do in the first place. Mark Pearson with Nepsis Capital. Mark, I said right before the break that I wanted to know how much your relationship with your wife, Julie, has impacted your faith over all these years. Well, I really, I don't mean to sound sappy. I know you've heard this story, and it's nice of you to open the door for me to get sappy uh, on your program here. But as I said earlier, I have led an unbelievably favored, uh, blessed life. And uh, when I moved here when I was 15 from Chicago and attended the first church we attended, the first Sunday that I went, my wife was standing in front singing with a youth choir. And when I saw her, uh, I said to myself, that's the girl I'm going to marry. And uh, it's hard to explain, but I knew that was the girl I was going to marry. And uh, uh, when you know that, you know that that comes from God. He's given you that, that gift. You have to treat it just as you treat all the other gifts that he's given them, that they belong to God first. My wife belongs to God first, me second. And you must treat her with respect and treat her as God has called us to treat our wives. Uh, fortunately, she also is a very different personality than me. She's far more patient. Uh, Loving. She's a lot kind. She's a lot more. <laughs> wonderful. Sweet. I was just going to say sensitive. Sensitive. Throw me completely under the bus. Uh, <laughs> She uh, she definitely is uh, uh, she is definitely the yin of the yin and yang. So uh, you know when you know that I, I have the utmost of respect for her, and uh, it, it's you know it, it's funny when you get married you think you're you know you're madly in love with your wife, but you know 28 years later I can't wait for 28 years later how much more I'll be loving her then than I do now compared to when I first got married. Uh, and, of course, it always does help, Jimmy, that she does tolerate me. That's that's for sure. Mark Pearson with Nepsis Capital, thanks so much for coming on the I Work For Him show, and thanks so much for your support this whole year. We're so grateful. Thanks a lot, Mark. My pleasure, and thanks for having me. Hey, as we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, what did you learn today about how we can impact this city? we got people to thank. Ace Andrews did a great job today. we got show sponsors highlighted on our website. But what did you learn today about what your skills, how they can be used to impact the city. You know, you heard it from Mark Pearson today. God gave him a skill, a passion for investing money, for, for looking at companies and figure out, well, I want to invest in quality companies. And he did the research and he got a passion. What's the passion that the Lord's laid on your heart? Because God wants, God gives you that passion. How are you using it to impact the kingdom today? Mark not only has a business that supported he and his family, but he's got a business that supports the families of a dozen people and then advisors around the country. And those people support families around the country by doing their investments. He's done, he's taken the skill that God's given him and use it. What's the passion that the Lord's laid on your heart? How has God made a difference in your life 
And what are the skills he's given you so that you can use those to bless others? We don't all get to be money managers, but we all are given a gift from our Heavenly Father, a passion. What is it? Let's use it to take this city for Jesus Christ. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower, and I own my own business, but you know what? Ultimately, I work for him. <laughs>